Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. And the purpose of this podcast is to really show you what it's like living on the last frontier through the eyes of people who currently live up here and kind of talking about their backgrounds and their experiences from living up here and what it is that brought them here. And today, I actually do have the, the privilege of introducing a special guest from um, actually our capital here in Alaska. It's uh, Juno, and she's going to be talking about her experience uh, with living there, what her, her background is, and what it's like living in. Um, I'm just going to say this. I'm pretty sure it's true. The most isolated capital in the U.S. So uh, please welcome Robin Long. Thank you, Jamin, very much. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for being on. It uh, took us a little while, but we made it work. <laughs> we made it. We made it finally. <laughs> All right. So first off, let's go and start with this. What brought you to Juno? Because, well, actually, let's let's start with this, actually. Um, for those who maybe aren't in Alaska right now, why don't you go ahead and describe what Juno is, like how big is it, where it's at, uh, what makes it unique? Okay, so what makes Juno unique is you can only get here by boat or by plane. Um, there are no roads in or out. Uh, so you can only you can only get into Juno um, by boat or by plane. Um, we are one of the biggest um, like cities land mass wise for coverage. Um, I believe in the United States, um, but that being said, we're only 35,000 people and it's pretty, pretty, pretty tight knit close in because we're surrounded by mountains, ice fields, and then the ocean. And so that's the reason there's no roads in or out um, is because on the other side of the mountains are the ice fields that are about the size of Rhode Island. Yeah. I mean, that really is kind of the the thing I try to tell most people that, um, Hey, if you're looking at Juno, that's, that's great. Um, just know you can only get there by flying or by boat. So I hope you like a small town feel. Cause that's exactly what you're going to get airdropped into. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. Well, outstanding. So what brought you to, um, to Juno? Oh goodness. It's been about 17 17 years ago, um, I was here visiting my sister and brother-in-law in the summertime. And it was like in the seventies, it was beautiful. It was sunny. It was just gorgeous. It was the most beautiful place in the entire world I had ever been. And I've been, you know, traveled a lot. I grew up at Air Force grass. So we, we lived in England even. And so, um, for me, it was just majestic. And um, I had just graduated college about a year prior and thought, why not go on this great big adventure, at least try it for a year. And like I said, that was 17 years ago. And here I am. Um, what made you decide to stay? I mean, what was the, what was the process then? So you tried it for a year. Um, did you just jump into real estate as soon as you got up there or what was the, no, what was the evolution? Actually, um, so the evolution was, I, I just took a huge leap of faith. I sold everything. I quit my job there, um, moved in with my sister and family. Um, and they agreed to let, give me a place to stay until I found a job. And so the first job I could find was being a dental assistant. 
And I quickly learned that that was not a field I had any interest in <laughs> long-term, um, you know, to each their own. It takes everybody to do, you know, to make the world run. Um, but I had come from a background in banking. And so once a job opened at a local bank here to be, um, work in the loan department and be a supervisor in the loan department, um, I, I took that job, I jumped at it. And then I was there for, let me do the math, six years, I guess, um, accumulatively. Um, and so I've also lived in Dutch Harbor during the 17 years. Um, but through the, through the banking industry um, and working with my realtor at the time to help buy and sell my condo and then buy a house, she really reached out and recruited and promoted me. I had been in banking long enough at that point that I had just found myself as a compliance officer, um, which is the, you know, like the person that nobody wants to hang out with or talk to at the bank. And um, I just was finding myself pretty unfulfilled because I really enjoy people. And um, she was able to recruit me and I started at a different brokerage. And then, um, then I, I started my boutique brokerage called Platinum after leaving Remax. And then about four years later, we partnered up with Keller Williams. Oh, outstanding. Well, that's uh, it's quite a journey. <laughs> it seems like yesterday, but it's been a long one for sure. <laughs> so I guess initially getting started out on in Juno, what were some of the big challenges and some of the big adjustments you had to make? So I, I'm sure you recall, I said when I came to visit, it was super sunny and beautiful here in Juneau. And the truth is, is that we live in a temperate rainforest here in Juneau. So it rains a lot. Um, I think if you look at our annual rainfall, it doesn't really look too scary compared to like other places who, that get like actual like thunderstorms or big rainstorms. The problem is, is it's just a constant drizzle. Like mm -hmm. if you think Seattle, but honestly, even more rainy than Seattle. Really? Um, I feel like, yeah, I think Seattle has more sunny days than we do. Um, so from that standpoint, it does make, you know, a difficult place to live, um, especially when you can only get out by boat or by plane. And so when I'm working with clients who are moving here from the lower 48 or Hawaii or somewhere where they're used to having a lot of sun, um, I try to paint a very realistic picture of what it's like to live here um, and to successfully live here uh, because I want people to love it and to stay here. It's a great community. I've never lived in a place with, that has had such a community feel and will show up when there is an emergency or in a problem. Um, it's very supportive and tight knit that way. Um, but, you know, realistically, like, you know, a lot of people want to max out their budget for a house. And living in Juneau in particular, I'm like, you really need to consider like a vacation budget, like at least twice a year to get out, if not more often than that. Um, Alaska Airlines is our only airline. And um, if you've been to business school, you know the term monopoly. Um, and so they just, I think they just ran a special and it's still cheaper to get to Seattle than it is to get to Anchorage for us, which is nonsensical to me, right? But anyways, um, so it's, it's so, kind of the capital. So, yeah, yeah. So they, they, they 
Um, but they charge us accordingly. It's, you know, I, and I get, they have a lot of expenses to fly in and out of here, a lot of cancellations and bad weather and things like that, especially this time of year. But, um, them being the monopoly prices of tickets to get in and out of town can be, can be pretty harsh. Um, and so that's something I definitely consult clients on who've never lived in Alaska or Juneau, especially before. And they want to consider that. I actually was showing some people who were um, interviewing at the hospital here for a job and three days of showings, which was three days of rain. They finally, on the third day, were like, we can't live, we just can't live here. Um, but it's like I said, if you're in a community and you're into people, if you like the outdoors, you like fishing, you know, a little drizzle doesn't bother you, get good rain gear and you like to be outside, you're set. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up Juno. <laughs> yeah, you've uh, you've got to be pretty committed to the to the small town t- small town atmosphere and kind of the more or less the Seattle climate. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is there are parts in Alaska where snow is definitely not always the norm right. necessarily. If like I mean it's it's snowing a little bit like back there behind you. But, um, yeah, that's definitely not necessarily the way it's like all the time in Juneau. Right. No, that's so true. It's, um, it's pretty temperate, which is nice. Like it's pretty moderate. Like we don't get super cold, but, um, I mean, you know, it's just as big as our, excuse me, our state is our real estate license covers the whole state, but I wouldn't know anything about houses in Nome or houses in Wasilla or Anchorage. I don't, I don't know all of the um, ins and outs of the different environments or climates, you know, what affects the health here? Like you got to think about moisture and trees, you know, why is there rot? Well, because the wood never gets a chance to dry out. Mm. Um, Yeah. That's, that would just be a completely foreign concept to me up here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Big state. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the, the sunlight down there in Juneau, because I mean, people are constantly seeing all the the clickbait online talking about you know six months in the dark or whatever on YouTube. So, can you talk a little bit about how much sunlight you guys get in Juneau? So, I would say like the summer solstice, where we have the day of the most sun, it never really goes dark. It just kind of goes to like dust. Um. And, you know, it just, it never goes hundred percent dark. Like there, you always can see some sunlight. Um, so the summers are great. The summers are amazing because it'll be 11 o'clock at night and you will be like, oh my goodness, I got to get my kids to bed. It's way past their bedtime. Um, and then in the winter time, I would say our shortest day, you know, the sun's up by like 9am and then maybe starts to set around 2.30 PM. Um, so we still have sun every day. Like we have sunlight every single day. Um, as long as you can get it gets through the cloud coverage, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so it's not the six months of dark and six months of light or the 40 day, whatever that Philly vampire show was. <laughs> like the North, you know what I'm talking about? So it's we get sunlight every day of the year. Oh, outstanding. All right. So let's see here. We've kind of gone over a couple of these already, but if you had to make a list of like the pros and the cons of living in Juneau, Alaska, you know, what, what would you put in each one of those columns? Um, in the pros, I would definitely put the community. Um, 
it's like I said, it's a community that really shows up. If there's been, you know, God forbid, an accident or um, house fire or something, um, there's the community always shows up, like in fundraisers or just donations or, you know, what do you need? What can we do? Um, no matter, you know, your politics, religion, it, it feels like everyone always shows up when when they need it when they need to. Um, the other pro, like I said, is if you like the outdoors, if you like to be outside, if you like the snow, you like to fish. We joke because people don't park in their garages here because there's no room to pull your car in because you've got to have like your gear for the snow, your gear for um, the water, your gear for the rain. You know, there's something for every season, especially if you really enjoy the outdoors. Um, we have a ski, we'll call it a resort. It's not the right word because it's not a resort there, but and we have a ski area that has you know, really great um, slopes for people who like to snow ski. Um, lots of cabins, like the Forest Service and the state, and I think even the city have different like cabins on trails you can rent. Um, if you like to go be outdoorsy and go camp and things like that, there's endless opportunity for that. We have lakes, we have the ocean. Um, so outdoor life, if you really like the outdoor life, this is a great place. Um, you know, the, like the other part is it is, it is a closed net community. You can't get in by boat or by plane. So relatively it's pretty safe place to live. Like every city, you know, there's the opioid problems and things like that. Um, you know, there's occasionally the crimes of passion, which means that, you know, somebody knows somebody and that's what happens. But for the most part, like murder, like those really bad crimes, um, I don't want to go down the list. You can use your imagination. They don't really happen very much here because um, like kidnapping, for example, if a kid got kidnapped, they just shut everything down until they found the kid. No flights out, or you know, the police would be there at the gate inspecting every person as they went through on the plane. Yeah, it's um, like where so it's where nice, are you going like, to go? And there's like 20 right. miles worth of roads. Where are you going to go? Right. <laughs> you can't. You're going to rob a bank. Where are you going to go? Right, exactly. It's like, <laughs> hope you brought your ice gear and you plan to climb back over to Canada. Um, Anyway, so from that standpoint, it's a really great place to live. Um, you can get everywhere really quickly. We get spoiled here, but like there are certain community pockets in Juneau. And so like I live what's called out the road or back loop, Montana Creek area. And if I have to leave Montana Creek to drive to North Douglas to go show a house, I've got to leave about 30 minutes before the showing. And you're like, wow, boohoo, big deal. But for me, I'm like, I don't want to go to North Douglas because everything else is like 10 minutes away. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, that's kind of a fun, fun thing about Juno. Um, and the cons are, is that um, the biggest con is, like I said, the rain. If, if you are not a fan of the rain or you can't find ways to cope or live beyond the rain, then, you know, it's going to be hard. Um, and you're landlocked. There's, there's just not a lot to choose from here. Um, Amazon Prime is not two-day delivery in Juneau. It is maybe two weeks. Um, what else? Like we don't have, we have a Fred Meyer. We have a McDonald's. We have a Petco. You know, we got some chains, but we don't really have a lot of chains. Um, luckily, the local food is really good, like our local restaurants, but we don't really have any chain restaurants here. Um, but yeah, just, you know, people, who, someone who's moving from like the lower 48 and is used to having everything right at their fingertips, it's, you know, you got to adapt and have patience. Yep. 
I, I think that's uh, that's a great observation. So for a lot of folks that watch my channel, um, they're watching other channels out there where they're talking about, you know, living off grid in Alaska and, you know, oh, you know, we're going to go live out in the wilderness because it's Alaska. So is that reality what you get in Juno, or is that just kind of um, kind of a distant mirage dream <laughs> for the, I guess, Juno right. and kind of Southeast in general? <laughs> Well, it's all about perspective, right? Like off grid means something. It's just like that, you know, as, as a realtor, you learn that the, the term clean is very relative to whoever's using it. Like clean for me may not be clean for the next person or vice versa. So off grid, I have found, especially in Juno, means a lot of different things to different people. And, you know, there's Thane is what we call it. And as you go out there, you're going to have well water. You're not going to be on city water. You're not going to be on city sewers. You're going to have septic. Um, and then not having water, if you're not on well, you're going to be on an encatchment system, which that is the beauty of Juno is it rains enough. You don't have to worry about running out of water. Because um, the encatchment system is basically it catches the rainwater and then filters through to the house. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, very abbreviated version of the process, but we have, we have some houses that have those systems set up. Um, and then, you know, Tea Harbor and some other homes that, you know, I would consider that a little off the grid. We do have some homes that you have to park in this parking area and, you know, walk, you know, maybe half a mile down a path. And so if you think about like your Costco run, you know, you have to really select what you're taking home. Unless I've seen people convert wheelbarrows on, um, like the snow machine tread or, or a snow machine and put a wheelbarrow on it. And so they just use that snow machine to get down the trail with their wheelbarrow full of stuff. Um, you know, some of our houses here on the water are down 90, some stairs. So you have to make sure that you have your keys and your purse and your wallet and everything you do before you get to your car. Otherwise you're not doing, you know, a lot of stair climb, but, um, might as well quit at that point. <laughs> right. Yeah. So true off the grid. Um, you know, there's one little community in Douglas, um, that you could, you take a boat to, to get to, you can also hike to it. And that's like where it's generator and catchment system, you know, no electricity. Um, and there's also way North Douglas I actually sold this beautiful home when you're inside of it. I, I wouldn't feel off the grid. It was beautiful. It's stunning. Um, but you know, it's run by generator. Um, and then it rain and water and catchment system and then a septic system. Um, but there are other lots there that's just like a little cabin that runs off a small generator. So, you know, I guess it just depends. There's availability there for those that really want to live off grid. But um, off grid for me would be an encatchment system. Like I want to turn on my faucet and have city water, running water that's been treated come through. <laughs> I'm spoiled that way, I guess. Oh, I like it. All right. So I'm interested to hear your response to this then. Um, cause I, I know Juno, you guys have a ton of like, that's where all the government officials go to live. That's where, you know, it's kind of the who's who of Alaska where, um, you know, you get all these, all these folks that are coming in and, and working with the government there, but, uh, what is kind of the turnover rate like in Juno? Do people have a tendency to, kind of stay put for just decades and decades on end, or is it kind of a, a couple year cycle that people go through? 
I think we're pretty transient. Um, forgive me because I don't know the most recent statistic, but like, was it maybe in 2012? So it's been like 10 years ago. Um, the ABC did a, a study that Juno per capita, I think was the third or fourth most transient city in the United States. Oh, and wow. so as a realtor, being a realtor here for 11 years now, I've sold the same house a couple of times <laughs> because it, it is. And we also have the feds here. We've got the Coast Guard um, government jobs, like you said, and it's, you know, new governors come in and new commissioners and new staff. Um, we do. I would say there's probably a three to four year turnover for a lot of people. And then you have, I just sold a house where the family has lived in it for 43 years. And that, that seems more and more rare. Um, but yeah, I think um, we're pretty transient. So we see the same houses come on the market a lot, especially with Coast Guard. Oh, good deal. Okay. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that was thinking that. Just looking from the outside, it was like, I'm pretty sure that's that's pretty transitory. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I mean, going there, you definitely do see the the old timers, the people who have been there forever. And it's it's pretty obvious who's who usually. Yeah, no, and it's still like there are still like my um my mother-in-law was born here before it was a state. And um her her father um I believe was also born here. And so, um, yeah, that's correct. Cause my husband's a third generation, you know, I, um, which is why I'm still in, Juno. Um, <laughs> I met and married a local boy, but it is, it's like, you know, with the, there's, there's a family that belongs, that's a different family than what we're from. But every time someone hears my last name that, you know, has been around, Juno for a long time asks if we have a relation. So there's still, there's still some family names here that are still here that are like the who's who and they, you know, that float around man i mean that's that's really the beauty of the small town usa mm, yeah, sorry <laughs> all right so let me see that now um i know this might be a little difficult to answer just because you don't have the the numbers up in front of you but would you what would kind of be your idea for what the average age is of people in juno would you say it's a little bit closer to the retirement age? Is it a little bit closer to, you know, maybe like twenties or thirties? And obviously this is just kind of a from the hip, kind of a, kind of a feel thing more than the exact numbers. I would say there's probably, um, more retirement age people. And I'm just going to guess at that. And my, my reasoning is, you know, one, there's just not a lot of services or facilities here. We have the Juno Pioneer Home, but it's really hard to get into if you're not an old-timer Junoite who's been on the list for forever. Um, and so as people retire out or age out and need um, those kind of services and even more medical care, like there's still treatments you can't get here in Juno that you have to go to Seattle or to Anchorage for. We have three medevac companies in this town. So you know, for those, for your listeners, the medevac is like the airplane that um, deal with the emergencies or paramedics that are the emergencies that can't be dealt with for locally at our hospital. They have to be flown out to Seattle or to Anchorage. So we have three companies providing those services here. Um, and I feel like that's a lot for a town of 35,000. Um, so that kind of goes for with the aging population. 
but at the same time, we don't have the services adequate. And then going on the young side, like for people that um, are starting families or having young children and they need daycare, it's really hard to find a daycare here too. I have a four and a two-year-old and um, my four-year-old's been in the daycare since she was nine months. And luckily like he legacied in my, my little guy because his sister was already there because it's almost impossible. Like it's just, it's really hard to find daycare here or, or care for the kids. And so I think that is sometimes a deterrent for the younger and the aging population, if that makes sense. So it does seem to be more middle of the road, like 40s to 60s, you know. Gotcha. Man, I guess that kind of sounds like it uh, kind of sums up the demographics really across the entire state in some ways. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, and the younger people like that don't have families yet, you know, we have a lot of those because the outdoors attracts them here, you know, the outdoorsy stuff. So yep, just flies yeah. to light. <laughs> right. Right. So for you as somebody who lives there, what's kind of one of your fun go-to activities that you like to do like that are there in Juneau? Wow. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. So like I just, I'm a mom of a four and a two-year-old, so I don't really get out a whole lot. Um, when I moved here though, I was in my young twenties. <laughs> I hope you will be able to do the math. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't married, no kids. And I think the biggest thing like we socially did was we went out like to the, to the local bars. The other thing I thought was crazy coming from, you know, Oklahoma and a big city was that there was like so many house parties. Like my sister was always like, oh, so-and-so is having a party this weekend. We're going to their house or so-and-so is having a party this weekend and we're going to go to their house. And I was like, I have never lived in a place where there's so many house parties. <laughs> um, so I think like people just congregate in their group of friends as a group at different locations. Um, but that being said, like we have new breweries now. Um, those in the last few years, we've had, I think at three breweries, we have a distillery, a gin distillery. Um, you know, we've got the Alaska Brew, Alaska Brew Company is here. Um, and so there's starting to become like more things to do as far as like that goes, but um, we can edit this out. It seems like they all involve alcohol. <laughs> Nope. That is perfectly fine. There it is. Shouldn't be a surprise that there is alcohol in Alaska. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, but yeah, I think I can, you know, going camping bonfires, bonfires are a really big thing here in the summertime for people to do at the beach. Um, but yeah, as far as like recreational, we have like a bowling alley. We have a, we have a movie theater. Um, like I said, most people like do stuff outdoors. Right. Right. Uh, what about like ocean kayaking or yeah. do people get into paddle boarding in June? Yes. Yes. Do they? Do okay. They're not. They do. Um, and I really want one. Um, if my husband's listening, hint, hint. Um, <laughs> but there is a, there's a lake here. Um, that's really nice to paddleboard on, on a really nice sunny day. And you, like when it's really nice and sunny, you see the lake is like full of people out there playing around. And then in the ocean too, right off, like, you know, some of the beaches close by people will paddleboard. Um, we have a polar plunge every year on new year's where people run into the ocean, um, which I think is insane, but I want to do it. I want to do it. Um, but yeah, there's the kayaking. Um, 
ice climbing, mountain climbing, um, yeah, anything outdoors wise that is something that, you know, mountain biking, um, it's just really hard to do motorized sports here. You know, you can snow machine. There's places you can go to go snow machine because it's easier to access, obviously, when there's snow. But it's really hard to find a place to take a four-wheeler here in this town. Um, and so that's been kind of like, you know, a little bit of a disappointment for a country girl, right? Coming from Oklahoma, I'm like, I can't go four-wheel anywhere. But um, yeah, there's anything outdoors you could think of there is to do here. That's awesome. Yeah. The one thing that's, uh, I find that's a lot of fun about Juno is that they do have that canal that actually goes separates like the, the main part of Juno from what Island is that I keep wanting Douglas. to say Douglas, Sagan? Douglas, Douglas. That's it. I kept wanting to say Ellis Island. It's like, I know for sure that's not it. So Douglas <laughs> Island <laughs> other side of the United States, yeah. other side, other side. But yeah, the cool thing about that is they've got Douglas Island and then they have a bridge going across and connecting with, um, with the main part of Juneau. Mm -hmm. And on certain days you can actually get like killer whales and all sorts of stuff, just swimming right up that channel. So, um, yeah, that, that just made me think about that. we're talking about kayaking and paddleboarding. That is like a lifetime phobia of being out there and (laughs) a paddleboard looking down. Oh, there's a killer whale. I know. I know. Like people will ride their jet skis. I've done it in the ocean and like ride around in off bay and stuff, but I'm always like in pure panic, that like a humpback or something is going to like breach or like come up. Um, which I know a lot of people like who are listening is like, Oh, that's so cool. And it's like, actually it's really scary. They're really yeah. big animals. Yeah. Until you're actually there. Like imagine just like walking around like your house and then on oh, any time an elephant can come around the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. It's like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, those videos they have where the guy's like on the the paddleboard, he looks down and there's like a killer whale like right there. <laughs> yeah. Checking cool. it out. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Hey, I wonder like, how easy it would be for me to flip this over. <laughs> see, and that's like the hard part too. like tourists and stuff who come here like on the cruise ships, because obviously we're a very heavy tourism state. And, you know, especially is very heavy relying on tourism in the summertime. Um, you get people that want to go kayak up to the glacier, not thinking or really realizing how cold the water is and how silty it is and really how dangerous it is if your kayak slips. Um, you know, hypothermia. Um, we had, you know, a tourist die a few years ago that flipped his kayak in the lake um, next to the glacier and ended up passing from hypothermia. Um, so, you know, and like the whole, like you're talking about the well, it's like, well, that'd be really so cool, but um, you're not, they're not going to hurt you or they're not going to try to hurt you. But if they flip you or something, you know, and you can't get out of it and that's freezing cold water. And um, it's very, it's, you have to be really safe and smart about your recreational activities here. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, especially like with the ocean and you're dealing with, um, with wildlife out there too. I mean, they don't have to have any bad intention. Literally they just accidentally flip their tail in a different direction and that swell knocks you over. <laughs> right. Or if you're blueberry picking, you know, you're just on a trail, minding your own business with your friends and blueberry picking and you step between mama and a baby bear. Um yeah, it could be life changing and not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think the mama bear is gonna suddenly be like, and I have a business opportunity for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, this is this was really positive. Thank you. 
<laughs> no, there's going to be no conversations, just one quick interaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like it. So that, that's another interesting thing about Juno, um, like the cruise ships and then all the, the ferries that come in. Like I was, I have a younger brother who actually does live there. And he was saying, you can really tell like when the ferry is about to get into town. Cause like everything is like picked clean from the <laughs> shelves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if to be serious for a minute, like when, when the first round of COVID was coming here and everything was shutting down and there was panic buying and, you know, all the manufacturers were having to close their facilities. It was like, like. I've never, like you could see through shelves at Costco, like you could stand in one aisle and see four aisles down because there was nothing mm. on the shelves. And so being in a community where things can only get here by boat or by plane, nothing gets trucked in. And if the ships stop running or, you know, it's just lim very limited resources. There's only like, um, Fred Myers had to close just a couple weeks ago because um, of all the snow load and then the rain, they're worried about the roof the ceiling possibly caving in so for safety they shut fred meyer for like maybe two days but still two days like i we had to go to um find stuff to make tacos like we just wanted to make some tacos and get some milk for our children we had to go to three different grocery stores we found before we could find milk because everybody went out rushed out and panic bought. yeah so. is that because I, I know covid that was kind of its own animal that that happened there but is there i'm assuming being concerned about shortages and disruptions in the transportation line i mean for communities like juno um, um kodiak communities like that it's seems like it's always going to be kind of a, a big concern do people in juno tend to kind of stock up on stuff just for a rainy day i would not typically like I wouldn't think so typically like and, you know and haven't even been in people's houses it's like you know like sometimes you notice you're like wow that is a lot of paper towels you know or something you know like as you go through other people's homes and stuff but I just um I don't really think so but I know that COVID brought out definitely the fear in people um it was you couldn't find any cold medicine you couldn't find toilet paper or they were like regulating how much toilet paper you could buy in a day um, if you needed an Instacart, um, you could barely get someone to Instacart for you. Um, and that's something else is Instacart hardly works here. Um, we don't have food delivery services here. Um, we have one, but it's inconsistent. Um, and so it's just, yeah, I mean, so for all the luxuries of like bigger cities that, like that, we just got to kind of learn to do without, um, but yeah, I would say traditionally, no, you know, people aren't really like panic buyers, you know, maybe Kodiak or some of their smaller places that are much more limited than we are possibly. But I feel like people do their like traditional Costco once a week or every other week type, you know, for their needs. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, also thing you guys got going for you is you literally have like the governor and the legislature and all the important people are right there. So they're going to figure out the shortages if they have to. <laughs> right. Right. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. Knock yeah. on wood. Hopefully. Knock on wood. <laughs> so let's, uh, let me go and ask you this, just kind of some basic questions here. Um, do you have a favorite restaurant or favorite restaurants that you like in, the, in Juneau? I do. Um, we have really good Thai food here. We have excellent 
excellent Thai food here. All the Thai food restaurants are really good. Um, of course, there's Tracy's Crab Shack, which she's only open in the summertime. You can get crab and bisque from her online all year round. Um, um, she's also a personal friend of mine. But um, she's got great bisque, um, great crab cakes, obviously good crab. Um, and so she's really a popular like destination spot. You can also get her bisque at McGivney's year round. And so McGivney's is another one of my favorites for pub food. Um, you know, like your burgers, wings, things like that. Um, you got the hangar, which has been a staple here for as long as I've lived here for 17 years. Um, and in the summertime, they open a couple other restaurants to help accommodate tourism. Because uh, in one day, our population can almost double with all the cruise ships. Um, there's really not like a bad restaurant here, honestly. Like there's not a place I would like say, no, I'm not going there. Um, it just depends. Like you want, like we have really good truck, truck stop type diner, like the greasy spoon type. We have a couple of those that are really great. Um, it just, I guess, depends on what you're in the mood for. I can tell you McDonald's is probably my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's about as a uh, chain restaurant as you get. So yeah. Yeah, that's the only, well, we have a subway, but yeah. Fair enough. So what, what are the schools like there? Um, the schools are really great. Actually, most of our schools, I think the majority of our schools have really good ratings. Um, so the public school system is really good. Um, there's a charter school. There's also a private school. Um, excuse me. Um, but you know, there's, it ebbs and flows with like the ratings and the principals because the principals kind of move around to from school to school every few years. Um, you know, one year everybody wants to be at Ock Bay elementary the next year, you know, it might be something different. Um, and then like for the middle school, it's Floyd Dryden. And, and Juno is kind of funny, um, in that there's like six elementary schools, I think. Um, and forgive me that I don't know this yet, but I really don't have kids old enough to be too concerned with it. Um, I think there's six elementaries. I know there's two middle schools and then our high school, we have two of them, but it's, it's open enrollment. So no matter where you live in Juneau, you can choose to go to JD, which is Juneau Douglas High School, or you can go to Thunder Mountain High School. You have your pick. And so People usually pick based on academics or if their parents, you know, were a JD graduate um, or sports, you know, what sports team is the best right now. Good deal. So now on to a topic, which I'm sure is pretty near and dear to your heart. Um, what is the housing market like in, in Juneau right now? Right now, it's pretty calm and there's not a lot of inventory. Um, which is, I think, traditional for this time of year. I think, um, you know, come February, as people are starting to talk about making transitions in the springtime, summertime, when kids get out of school, um, about February is when we start getting the listing phone calls, like, hey, I'm ready to talk to you about um, getting our house ready to sell in April. So our tidal wave really starts in March, April, like I think it probably does in most markets, but considering Coasties usually get their orders in April, um, or at least know where they're going to be going and then their formal orders come later um, usually have a much higher inventory pool in April. Um, but it's still very much a seller's market. As long as I've been in real estate, Juno by definition has always been a seller's market. 
Um, and that's due to lack of inventory, lack of land, um, you know, the whole supply and demand um, from economics. But uh, right now, it there's just not a lot. I think there was like one townhome on the market the other day. Um, you know, there's a single family home that just came up in the valley, which is a really desirable area. Um, and the, our marketing strategy right now for listings is, hey, we'll put it up and we're going to leave it on for four or five days and we'll review offers, you know, a week from after we put it on the market. So it gives time everybody a chance to come through and then hopefully get competing offers. So it's a good time to be a seller. Yeah, well... Yeah. I mean, anytime you start talking about a townhouse or a house over in the valley, yeah, going on, that's that's pretty restricted inventory. Yeah. I mean, I know here in Eagle River, it's restricted inventory, and then people are just losing their minds. I mean, we had one property it was clearly thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars overpriced, mm-hmm. and there were still like competing offers on it. So mm-hmm. it was like, what? No, (laughs) it's It's been, it's been scary. (laughs) I worry that like, you know, like you got buyers like this summer, it was, you know, competing offer, you'd write, you'd write 10 offers for the same buyer. And I know that every realtor in the nation has been feeling this based on TikTok videos and stats and all that other stuff. But it's like, I do, I get concerned that, you know, the market can only get so inflated. And then you've got buyers offering like a significant amount of cash over an appraised value. And it's like, I really hope you plan on staying in this house for a few years to give yourself some time to recoup that. Otherwise, you know, I think in a couple of years, we're going to start seeing sellers having to come to the table with cash to close. Yep. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of foolishness in my opinion, to offering cash over the appraised value. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of which being, okay, you're already starting in the hole. Right, right. And it's like buying a brand new car. As soon as you drive off the lot, the value's already gone down. Yeah. And I mean, most of the people we're talking about, especially in this market, they're first time home buyers. And that's really where all the conf- all the like the fast moving, the crazy stuff like I was talking about is happening because you get a lot of people who can barely qualify for a home, just the interest rates being so low. And now they're jumping in and it's just driving the prices up everywhere and not so much in the 400 and above price range. It's a lot more, it's a lot more stable. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a lot more even there. It's, it's really the first time home buyer price range, which, you know, really, it's not great because you're getting a first time home buyer. They don't realize what they're doing and they jump in and they get a property that's $50,000 over what it should be. And hopefully they'll get a good appraiser that'll adjust it down, but probably not going to adjust it down all the way. So you're realistically yeah. <laughs> yourself like a twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 hold to begin with. Right. But Sorry, kind of went on a rant there. No, I feel just <laughs> passionate about it. It's just like, you know, what we do, if, if you really believe in what you do versus just like the sale and the commission is like making sure people are making smart financial investments. And um, and I worry, and I've had that conversation with buyers. It's like, I'm nervous you're going to call me in two years to sell this house, which I really want you to if you do. But I'm nervous that when you do, you're going to have to write me a check. You're gonna have to pay again. Yeah, that's 
that's just the reality. Now, I will say, I don't know if you're seeing this on yours, but I'm thinking probably if we look, at least in this market, above the $400,000 price range, we kind of get above the first time home buyer range for most people. There's a much better chance that people are going to be getting what they're actually paying for in that price range as opposed to the lower one. So I'm actually, this sounds self-serving as a realtor, but I'm telling people, hey, let's let's look at these higher priced properties a little bit higher. The reason for that is your odds of actually getting what you pay for are a lot higher and yeah, monthly payment a little bit higher, but also you're actually going to be able to build equity versus, you know, being at this other place and now you got to stay there an extra two, three years just to dig yourself out of a hole. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. All right. So what would you recommend to people who are considering moving to Juneau? Uh, call me. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I would just consider like visiting here a couple times. Um, I felt like I said, I came here when it was a week, it was just amazingly beautiful. And I was like, I can't imagine myself living in any other place. <laughs> and then it rained and it rained and it rained and it rained. Um, <laughs> you got you know, I, Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I would say just visit, like just do your research. Um, you know, obviously look for employment. Um, it's kind of hard on one hand, it's really hard to hire good people. Um, and then on the other, you know, like good paying jobs, especially, you know, for the cost of living here. Um, you know, there is a cost of living variation as far as like your groceries. And, you know, I mentioned I lived in Dutch Harbor and I remember like an avocado was like $5. Yeah. So, um, you know, here it's not that bad, but it's like when I go back to Oklahoma, which the cost of living is pretty low and visit my family and I go to a whole foods, which is like the more expensive grocery store out of the grocery stores. I'm like, Oh gosh, this is cheap. <laughs> give me the strawberries, give me the avocados, give me all the fresh produce. Get a check um, bag and just take groceries home with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, like I said, my husband was born and raised here. And so when he was, you know, younger there, fresh fruit was really hard to get. So he grew up kind of on canned fruit. And then I took him to California and we had like, there was like a, the hotel rat had a continental breakfast and they had pineapple. And so he got pineapple, put pineapple on his plate. And he was like, Robin, I think they like injected sugar in this or put sugar on it. And I was like, no, babe, that's literally what a pineapple tastes like. <laughs> it's what it's supposed <laughs> to taste like. Um, and so like, you know, the produce selection here can be pretty harsh. Um, if you have a special recipe that you're making that, you know, calls maybe for some, um, elaborate ingredients and like elaborate, I mean like juniper berries or something like that. Um, uh, I was looking for dried hibiscus the other day and I couldn't find it anywhere in town. Um, you know, things like that. Um, you, you gotta get used to going to the three grocery stores and it's funny cause on Saturday, like you'll start at Costco and then you go to Fred Meyer. And then you go to Safeway before you can get everything that you need. And then sometimes you got to go to Super Bear. But it's funny because the people you see at Costco, you'll see at Fred Meyer and you'll see them at Safeway because you guys are all doing the same thing. Um, you know, and it's just like you're in a sense, you're off the grid. I mean, we're not like we have electricity. We've got, you know, running water. We have sewer. We have like a community. We have streets, departments. We have we're a city. 
But at the same time, we are off the grid. You can only get here by boat or by plane. And with that comes, you know, um, it, it affects services. Yeah. That's, um, that's so really be prepared, good. I guess, be prepared. Interview your realtor before you come up as far as like the, these kinds of questions that you're asking. And hopefully you get a realtor that's honest, you know. Absolutely. So not for the faint at heart. Yeah. So um, kind of going to that point, then if people want to get a hold of you, what's going to be the, the best way for them to reach out? Um, they can call me on my cell phone, which is 907-723-8847. Um, they can go to our website, which is platinumrealestateak.com, um, you know, or email, which is Robin with the letter word. Gosh, good gracious. Robin's my realtor and Robin is spelled with a Y. So it's R-O-B-Y-N-S, myrealtor at gmail.com. And I'm always happy to talk to people that are thinking about moving um, to Juno. I think you, Jamin, you referred um, a couple to me and I've been answering questions about what doctor to go to even. I mean, I'm happy, we're, we're here to be a resource in, in every facet. And, you know, maybe Juno isn't going to be the place for you. Maybe we can help you find the place it is. Yep. Outstanding. Well, I'm sure for people looking to, to move into that area, it's good to have someone there that's just going to shoot straight with them and not just, you know, give them paint this, um, you know, paint them this inaccurate picture of, oh yeah, it's kumbaya over here. Everything's perfect. And yeah, <laughs> sunny every day. Yeah. It's not sunny every day, but I can tell you on a sunny day, there is no more beautiful place in the world to be. I really can't argue with that. <laughs> All right. Well, Robin, I really do appreciate your time, ma'am. And um, for those of you who are interested in contacting her, her contact information will also be in the show notes for this episode. So um, again, thank you for listening and we'll catch you all next time.